You are Locked On Kentucky, your daily Kentucky Wildcats podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the Locked On Kentucky Podcast. We bring you info and insights on UK football and basketball. Stay informed by making us part of your routine. Listen and follow for free on Apple or Google Podcasts. Simply subscribe to Locked On Kentucky. I'm Dan Reefer with Fox 56 along with Kyle Tucker of The Athletic. A lot to talk about on today's episode. Uh, You got COVID-19 impacting Louisville basketball, Ohio State football, North Carolina football, uh, the Ivy League's decision, Stanford's cutting sports, Vanderbilt eliminates a, a department within its athletics. Uh, you got ADs that were polled, athletic directors um, that were polled, more than 100 of them um, that Brett McMurphy of Stadium polled that got some interesting answers about the college football season, how they feel it will go. Uh, there's something on the table with college basketball that the NCAA has sent out there that would start the season a couple weeks earlier. Mitch Barnhart has uh, made comments to donors reportedly uh, about what kind of capacity Kroger Field and Rupp Arena would have uh, for football and basketball season. Uh, UK announced a couple more opponents on the non-conference slate for basketball, but would UK even play a non-conference schedule? That could be one of the dominoes that falls from the first topic we're discussing, which is the Big Ten expected to announce a conference-only football schedule. Nicole Auerbach, the first to report that of The Athletic, uh, that she said expected today as we're talking, that the Big Ten would announce that they're only going to have conference games, no non-conference games. It's unclear whether or not that would be a 12-game conference schedule or a nine-game conference schedule. But either way, it's huge. Uh, I mean, it's just enormous because you had the Ivy League, which we mentioned yesterday, announcing that it's canceling all fall sports. No football, uh, no fall sports. And then they're going to reevaluate everything on January 1st. Well, the Ivy League is not the Power Five. There's not huge television contracts uh, for Ivy League games, as is the case for the SEC and the Big Ten. But now with the Big Ten, their decision would be, I think, more of a domino effect than the Ivy Leagues. Don't you think, Kyle? Yes. Yeah, I mean, the Ivy Leagues aren't going to uh, apply any pressure to any of the power conferences with their decision. And th- and it was, uh, you know, um, my brother-in-law is a associate athletic director uh, at Lipscomb and uh, was talking to him the other day about that, you know, for, for that – that decision really doesn't it doesn't affect anything because one they're in the FCS and they do not participate in the FCS playoffs uh, in football and so um, you know they're not taking themselves out of anything um, by moving to the spring. I mean they they they're they're so sort of insulated that they're able to do that. You know they can they can take theirs and move and it doesn't really have a a big ripple effect on the rest. Um, but what you know, when one of these power conferences, any one of them, you know, Big Ten and SEC probably being the most powerful, when they make a move that's outside the norm and they make a big shift, then that is going to influence, I think, everybody else. Um, and I would, I, at this point, I kind of expect all the power conferences to kind of fall in line and do the same. Um, 
Yeah, I saw Matt Jones was uh, tweeting about it uh, a few minutes ago as it was happening. Um, and his point that talking about what he'd heard, I think is exactly right, which is um, the reason that leagues are going to do this is because you have control. Uh, you, you, you get rid of non-conference games, you play a 10 game conference schedule. Um, and then if, you know, you can set parameters, you can set um, guidelines that everybody in your league has to follow. Uh, when you're playing a bunch of non-conference games, you've got people coming in who have mm-hmm. totally different testing policies and treatment policies. And if you're playing some smaller schools in these payday games, they don't have the funds probably to be doing, you know, huge amounts of tests and getting rapid results. I mean, you may have people coming in with no idea whether they're sick. Um, so there's that. Um, and then there's also the control of, you know, if you've got, you know, X number of months to to get the season done and you've got 10 conference games, you've got some wiggle room. Uh, if there is a uh, an outbreak and some team can't play a game, you can sort of when when you're controlling all of the games, all of the teams, mm-hmm. you can right. shift it around. You can make moves and get it. You know, there's there's at least hope in that plan where you get the season played. Um, so I mean, in in one way, I would look at this and say, if everybody follows suit, this is maybe encouraging that maybe they could pull it off. You know, just trying to line up and say we're going to play the season as scheduled to me seemed like total insanity. Well, Kent Spencer of WHAS in Louisville, he just tweeted out a reminder of what Vince Tyre, the Cardinals AD, said just the other day is that the Power Five conferences are all working together when it comes to fall sports. And if if that's the case uh, and the Big Ten makes this move as expected, then you would you would think the rest of the leagues would do the same and you make a lot of good points there. Uh, But Brett McMurphy of stadium just put out this uh, polling today where he had, he had asked, I think 130 FBS ADs or 115 athletic directors uh, and asking questions like, does the season start as scheduled? So season start as scheduled is they do, they play conference only. Uh, Is there a 12 game scheduled with a delayed start? Is it conference only starting in the spring? Is it a 12-game schedule starting in the spring? And the answers were 22% of uh, Power 5 athletic directors believed that the season would start as scheduled. So uh, less than a quarter of the athletic directors in the Power 5 believe that the season is actually going to start as scheduled. So then, now this conference-only idea, 45% of power five ADs think conference only. And then a 12 game schedule with a delayed fall start. 8% of the power five ADs believe that there will be a 12 game schedule. So now it sounds more like that model that you mentioned, a 10 game conference schedule that you're not going to, the season's not going to start on time and you're not going to be able to play all 12 games. So then a conference only seems likely. And with the Big Ten making this announcement and those numbers from athletic directors across the country in Power 5 schools, one would think this this is what's going to happen. This is going to be the next step towards football. We still have um, you know, all of August to go, the rest of July and all of August before the actual start of the season. So, you know, things could change. They could announce no no games at all, or shorten it even more, depending on what happens throughout our country. But right now, this seems to be the next step that we're going to see all these conferences say. 
Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think rational leaders in college sports are reaching the conclusion that we can't just, <laughs> we can't just say like, let's just cross our fingers and play it as, as is. Right. Um, yeah. I think, I think finally some people are, are becoming a little more level headed and realistic about, um, what happens next and how to at least try to get through it. I, I do. I too, again, if you cut it down to 10 games and you've got this window of time, also some wiggle room. I think we, I think you and I talked about it on the last podcast about like the idea or, or one of the recent podcasts, the idea that like buying one more week, uh, you know, there were, there was some talk like, Oh, if we, if we buy like an extra week, then maybe we can make things up as if like everybody could just re, shuffle their schedule (laughs) you know and as if there's only going to be like one potential shutdown you know i think you've got to realistically start bracing for you know bigger challenges well more on this when we return here on the lockdown kentucky podcast you are locked on kentucky your daily Kentucky Wildcats podcast. All right, we're back here on the Locked On Kentucky podcast. And with the Big Ten expecting to announce, and by the time you listen to this, uh, maybe they will have already announced that they're going to have a conference-only schedule. Let's just say we're looking at 10-game conference-only schedule for the Big Ten, the SEC, ACC, Pac-12, Big 12, all the, the, the Power Fives. Now what does that mean for you know the group of six schools? What does that mean for Western Kentucky uh, University, which plays Indiana in a million-dollar guarantee game, which also plays uh, Louisville? Uh, that's just one example of many, many schools. I think Kentucky has, what, Eastern Michigan and uh, Eastern Illinois also has Louisville. Uh, but these schools, what are they going to do? Are, are these the schools that wind up – these the conferences that wind up saying – well, we just won't play at all because we don't yeah. get those guarantee games where we're talking about multi-million dollars of cash influx into their athletic department that supports playing uh, a football schedule. You know, maybe they do it differently because there's not as much at stake for them and the cost is greater uh, because they don't have the TV contract. The cost is greater to, to support a football yep. program when you can't have a hundred percent attendance and you don't get guarantee games, maybe power five is all the football we get. What about Notre Dame? What are they going to do? Right. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> it's a great question. Well, they, they are contracted to play. What is it? Five ACC opponents a year. They're like, they're like partial yeah. members of the ACC. Right. So um, I would, that's a great, I mean, that is a great question. <laughs> what a what a Air Force and uh, Army and Navy and because they're all independent still too, right? Uh, yeah. All the mm-hmm. armed services and and Notre Dame. Um, man, I don't know. Uh, I do think to your initial question, yeah, I think some of the smaller conference programs, absolutely. I don't know about football, but like they're absolutely gonna. This is going to be a. We're cutting some sports. We're cutting some salaries. We're cutting. You know, we're we're taking the uh, metro bus or whatever the <laughs> the five dollar yeah. uh, bus from anywhere to New York. Um, you know, I it's going to crush. It is going to hurt major conference programs because their spending has gotten so ridiculous um, while the money's been good. But if it's a you know one year blip, they'll probably ultimately survive just fine. But some of these smaller schools, 
I I have to think are going to get hammered. And yeah, when they lose these payday games, um, when you're used to getting a million dollars from playing somebody from the Big Ten or from the SEC, and that's gone. And if you play, you know, most of those schools play a couple, or a lot of those schools will play a couple of those a year. Um, and that's a huge chunk of their budget. I I don't know. Right. I don't know how they pull that off. Um, well, even a power five school like Stanford has already announced they're cutting 11 varsity sports, which is crazy 11. too, because they're like really, you know, like Stanford and UCLA, they're really good at all those, um, secondary sports. I mean, the, right. the Olympic sports, uh, they've got national championship after national championship, uh, you know, and Calipari makes that joke all the time about Stanford, but it's not a joke. Their endowment, I think, is like the biggest in the country. S- several billion dollar uh, endowment at Stanford. And if Stanford can't afford to keep sports afloat, what does that say for some of these athletic programs that are just kind of scraping by as it is? And then with Vanderbilt, I mean, they just took, yeah, you have to understand for an athletics communications department. And maybe, you know, as a common fan, you don't really realize all that goes into behind the scenes of a program. But, I mean, you just take Kentucky football. I mean, they have a whole, like, press box full of, I don't know how many support staff people in the athletics communications. You're talking about people who are handling the stats and then getting stats and information to the coaches, to the press, um, Dealing with, uh, like, if you want to watch the game cast, you know, if you can't watch the game and you want to watch it on your phone, um, you know, with the updated stats up to the minute play by play and all that, that comes from the athletics communications department. I mean, that's just, just a sliver of what they do. There is an entire support staff under athletics communications, uh, that helps out on game days and practices and supports each program like men's basketball and women's basketball and baseball and football and so on and so on. And if for Vanderbilt, an sec school to eliminate that department and then absorb it into its, its university as a whole and make those people reapply for jobs. And who I, I don't know how many they're going to keep, uh, but obviously they're going to make, some pretty big cutbacks there that that says a lot right there yeah yeah and i'm not sure if that's totally if that's totally kind of covid related budget cutting related as much as it is they've kind of had a whole shift in leadership and new athletic director and i think there may be some just they don't they do some kind of backward things anyway uh, as it relates to sports at vanderbilt they've always kind of been this sort of strange uh outlier in the sec and really in major college sports the you know the, their whole structure they've always had their uh that structured differently forever they didn't even call and, and maybe they still don't didn't call their athletic director an athletic director they were it was like a whatever it was vice president of the university um they just do things kind of differently so i i don't know enough about that situation to know if it was like this is a preemptive cut uh based on thinking they're going to lose a bunch of money over this next calendar year uh, or not, but it was certainly jarring that they did that, um, that they've basically just uh, slashed all those people um, and brought it under the university umbrella. Um, I'm not sure what to make of it, but it's just another thing in what is this enormously changing landscape right now in the SEC, in college, in college sports, in, in all of sports. Um, 
I don't know that I've ever felt uh, had a time where I felt like things were less certain or more sort of in a state of upheaval than they are right now. Yeah, it's it's hard to pretend that uh, we're getting ready for college football season. It's it's just because it so many things are happening. I just mentioned uh, in the opening tease there, Ohio State they've suspended football activities. North Carolina has suspended football activities, so they're not able to even get this going. What what happens when they start doing a real training camp right. to try to get ready? Guys for are this? much closer together. Uh, yeah, I, yeah. I mean, it, it's. In a lot of ways, this, this all these moves feel like rearranging deck chairs on the Titanic. Um, yeah, you know, are we just, you know, desperately trying to convince ourselves that we're going to have some semblance of normalcy, only to have it all crumble when it gets down to it? I mean, I don't think anybody is is very confident that this thing is going to go off <laughs> and get finished. Um, but maybe, you know, and 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 maybe the best way to do that is is by all the major conferences doing what the Big Ten did today. Um, by the way, I just saw, excuse me, uh, Dean of ACC writers David Teal, good friend of mine, said that AZ uh, tweeted out just a moment ago. ACC Commissioner John Swafford has said that if a league if the league adopts an all conference football schedule for 2020, Notre Dame would likely be in the mix. Uh, and and Notre Dame already had six ACC opponents on its schedule for this coming season, so so just add a few more. Yeah, yeah you add four, and, and everybody plays a ten yeah. schedule, and there you go. Right. Well, um, you know, Louisville basketball, two members of of that program have tested positive for COVID nineteen, so they've suspended activities. So, like we mentioned, this could possibly uh, bleed over into basketball where, you know, especially when we hit to the, the winter months and some things, you know, start happening numbers, you know, I won't say go back up again. They're already up <laughs> as right. high as they've ever been. Uh, but you know, another wave or, or whatever, if it doesn't get under control and Kentucky just announced, uh, it's rest of its non or two more non-conference games. Now it says it has already completed its non-conference schedule. It just hasn't, I guess, announced all the games, but uh, added two conference USA opponents, UAB on a Sunday, December 6th and Marshall on Tuesday, December 29th, both games at Rupp arena and WKU came out and basically said, well, since you're doing the conference USA tour, you know, our offer still stands to play us. We've uh, been wanting to play you and uh, we'll play. And not only will we play you, but we'll take that guarantee check and we'll donate it to charity within the state. And, yeah, how about that? Uh-huh. <laughs> how about putting the pressure on? I mean, they ought to play. <clears throat> I think it would be – this is – I say this about a normal year. The way this season is going uh, is not uh, – you know, maybe we don't see any of these games. But I think in a normal year, Kentucky basketball and Louisville basketball ought to play as many of the schools in the state as they can. Uh, because yeah. I do think they have a responsibility. Uh, they are taxpayer-funded universities. They are the flagship universities of the state. Um, they are the most visible programs um, in the state to help the rest of the state, um, I think. I mean, you know, people can make a, some solid arguments against that, uh, but I think it would be great if Kentucky played, you know, Eastern and Western and Murray and Moorhead, you know, you know, Play all of them. You play them all. Um, yeah. 
I, I think people would rather watch if you're going to play, you know, a, a step down in a lot of from from your you know high end competition in most of these non conference games, then play those programs. Um, and and of all those programs, like Murray, probably Murray and, and Western are going to be a pretty good challenge a lot of years. Um, right. And, and there's nothing wrong with that either. But so, but I you know I, I went to Western Kentucky. Um, I don't have any like grand allegiance to them, certainly not in sports, but I did think it was kind of awesome that they put out a, just a public challenge in a, in a way that's very difficult to turn down. And you're like, Hey, we'll, we'll, we'll do this and we'll give the money away. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, that's pretty good. I like that. Um, totally unrelated, but sort of on the, on what we've been talking about as I've been follow, trying to follow just anything that I can see coming out on uh, the big 10 announcement. Uh, Nicole Auerbach from uh, our company, The Athletic, just said that uh, multiple industry insiders have told The Athletic that they expect the Pac-12 to follow um, the Big Ten uh, and go to conference only in the coming days. So that would be two of the five major conferences that are getting rid of non-conference games altogether um, for the fall sports. And And now it is official. The Big Ten has made it official. Okay. So Conference only games this fall. They have just put out a release. Yeah, I mean, look, it, it's gonna it's going to be across the board within two weeks, probably. Maybe not even two weeks. Uh I don't see how yeah. you can not do that at this point. Um, because as soon as and, and some of this is already affected. I mean, there are SEC um teams that have Pac-12 and, and Big Ten teams on their schedule right now. And so those games are going away whether they like it or not. Um, and I think the momentum is happening right now where these, these conferences are going to fall in line. Within a week or two weeks, we're going to have that's, – that's where we're going to be. And it, it, it is a bummer in terms of that Louisville game. So many people's rival is within the conference. You know, Auburn and Alabama and yeah. Georgia, Florida. and, and um, But if this goes down, you, you lose – Clemson, South Carolina, you lose uh, Georgia, Georgia Tech, Georgia. That's yeah. Which does anybody care about that? I don't know. I'm sure Florida, Georgia Florida Tech, State, but yeah, Florida, Florida State. You know, any Florida, Miami, any of those, those kind of matchups that you might have, um, and Kentucky, Louisville. So there, there are some rivalry games that we would lose that would be a, a pretty big bummer. Well, and then some great non-conference like opening games. Um, right. Like, I mean, was I don't Alabama, remember what they are. I think actually. that was an Alabama USC that was supposed yeah, to be this. Uh... Feel like that was one of them. But there's always a good SEC uh, matchup, you know, to start the season against a non-conference opponent. Like that Auburn Oregon game was it last year that was just terrific, uh, outstanding early on. Yeah, uh, it was. Hey, uh... to finish the thought on WKU before we go to break here. Uh, a UK spokesperson did tell Kentucky Sports Radio that uh, WKU won't happen this year the schedule is already made uh but they will continue to be in talks with wku about future games they just were okay. made sure they were diplomatic about it but hey now there are with bellarmine going d1 there are now eight division one basketball programs that's wild in kentucky eight is perfect for a tournament you know a thursday through sunday deal or something right. like that the Bring kentucky the invitational KIT. or yeah whatever it would be great all right, when well, we continue, we'll, we'll discuss what uh, Mitch Barnhart reportedly uh, has been telling donors about uh, what what fan capacity there will be at the stadiums if we have sports when we return here on Locked On Kentucky. This is Locked On Kentucky, your team every day. All right, so Kyle, you put out a uh, 
uh, Freedom of Information Act request to get some records about UK when it comes to their procedures testing for COVID-19. And you found that they were only thing they were doing for football was this antibody test. Well, then KSR came out and said, now they are doing diagnostic testing for all football players. Uh, that this was a new uh, way of thinking. This was a new, that, that this is the new policy procedure. Uh, both Cash Daniel, former UK football player and former women's basketball player, Macy Morris, responded to the tweets by Matt Jones uh, saying that that's the new procedure, that, that this has actually been going on, that this testing has already been going on. Uh, Cash Daniel said like three weeks. So it seems maybe you didn't get the whole picture uh, when, when they gave you what they, you know, supposedly gave, were supposed to give you the whole picture. Yeah. Well, uh, either that, or there's a, there's not a clear understanding. I think there's also been a lot of misunderstanding about, you know, when they first came out, they made this announcement, we've tested 127 athletes and six were positive. And then, you know, the language in there tells you that it was antibody testing. But I think a lot of people read that and, oh, they tested 127 people for COVID and only six were positive. Um, right. So I, I think some of that is may, maybe misunderstanding because they were very clear that they were, I mean, I I asked the question, <laughs> are you testing for active cases? And um, and I also talked to pe- some people behind the scenes that there were people that were not happy initially that they were not going to do that. I think John Calipari among them. I think they want to know. There are a lot of people on that campus that, coaches and staff that want to know day one if anybody's positive so they can deal with it from the start and and all through the process i think they want to make sure they're testing to know if people are actively positive so they can deal with that as well um and with a basketball roster you know they've brought the basketball team back a week a week or so ago um that's a smaller group of people and if you get a couple guys sick in a in a small space on a small team uh you can wipe your team out I mean, you, yeah. you know, like that's the thing I keep thinking about with basketball season is if you got, you know, nine guys who can actually play and three of them test positive in, in the middle of the season. Yeah. Your team is wiped out. You're going to, you know, you're going to lose every game you play while they're sitting out for two weeks. Um, and so I would imagine John Calipari's taken a, a, a great interest in that process and probably been an advocate for um, testing for active cases. So I'm not sure that that's – uh, I don't. I, I do. I don't believe they've been testing for active cases from day one. If if that if they have been, then they really truly lied. Just just lied in their <laughs> in their. Uh, and I don't think they would have done that. No, um, I, don't I think, think the so. initial. I think the initial process uh, was to test for antibodies. But I would have. I would think that they got a lot of pushback on that. I mean, I publicly yeah. said I thought it was ridiculous, and that if right. it was my kid, I would want to know day one if they were sick, uh, or if anybody around them was sick. Yeah. And, you know, it, it became easy to sort for people to start theorizing because there were Kentucky was not alone, not in the country and not in the SEC. There were multiple schools in the SEC that started out saying we're not going to test for active cases. Um, and you begin to have a theory that like these teams want just almost want the whole team to get it before the season starts. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, they're not going to come out and say that. But that's you, if if you're not trying to find out, then maybe you want everybody to get sick or to get the virus, not a, a lot of people don't get sick at all in that age demographic. The theory being that if you got herd immunity, essentially before the season yeah. started, you wouldn't have any disruptions during the season. Um, right. You know, and nobody, I don't think anybody in athletics administration and any pro, any school 
wants to be accused of sort of secretly <laughs> trying no. to get everybody sick, but that's where people's minds start to go. So uh, well, one I, group of five AD told the stadium when they were doing this poll, one death of a coach or student athlete, and we will all regret pushing this competitive envelope. So well, hard. of course they would, because there'd be yeah. one, there'd be massive lawsuits. Uh, two, I mean, that's a, that's a thing too. I don't even think it takes a death. I think it, I think if one athlete or coach gets, is serious enough that they end up on a ventilator, uh, then there will be no sports. There'll be no college sports. And yeah, you know, it's not really hard to, to squint and envision that happening, you know, to see that, uh, happening because there are, um, there are a lot of, I think probably medical conditions that people never know about. I mean, there, there've been some, some famous people here lately who have died of COVID who were relatively young and to all, by all accounts of their relatives healthy and had no preexisting conditions that they were aware of. And they, they died. Um, and so if that happened, well, not only that you're hearing about people who, who survive it in three, four months later, uh, or, you know, months later, still, Dealing with symptoms, like right. dealing with issues, breathing and, and we don't stuff know, like that. And we don't even know what the long-term effects are. You know, that's right. a piece of it. Like how, how is this going to impact your life later down the road, even if you recover from it? Um, one thing I was going to circle back to, this is completely off that topic, other than that it's related to the scheduling stuff. Alabama was actually scheduled uh, to open with USC um, and then Georgia mm. State. Um, so the U.S. the USC thing is obviously not going to happen, especially you know if the Pac-12 does this um, conference only as well, and and if, certainly if the SEC does. And so what we could end up with if if everybody in the Power Five uh, do decide to do um, conference only, right now, the first game of the season for Alabama would be against Georgia. <laughs> So the season opener is basically an SEC championship game. My Alabama gosh. versus Georgia. I mean, there'd be some stuff we'd be sad about, but uh, if you had all these power conferences pay, play 10 games and they actually got it done, uh, yeah. I mean, the football week to week would be much better. The product, like the product we'd actually get right, would be much better in theory. Uh, oh yeah, you have no crap games out there. No guarantee games. Yeah, for, you know, for all the Alabama USC's that you lose, you also lose Alabama Georgia State and Alabama, you know, Kentucky and and Sisters of the Poor. Um, right. So anyway, that's that. There's there are there is some real intrigue to doing it that way, and and that that also brings about the question of is this is this the catalyst? Is this virus and and all the shuffling that goes down? And let's say that. Let's say they pull it off. Let's say everybody agrees we're going conference only. We're going to have these strict mandates. Um, and, and once you say we're going conference only in the power conferences, I think you could take it another step and say we could, you know, all those, those five commissioners can get together and say let's have the same policies so that we uh, are all on the same page so that we can play bowl games and we can play yeah. you know, playoffs and all play that. Play one another and, yeah, playoffs. Um, is this all the catalyst to finally the, the power conferences breaking away on their own? You know, if this goes yeah, off and it works, then we go, this is a great product. Like this is good television that there are no bad games on a given week. Um, I don't know. Maybe. It could be. Yeah. I mean, no doubt. Um, 
circling back around and wrapping up to to bring this over to uh, Mitch Barnhart, but one power five AD in this anonymous, not not even implying that it's Mitch Barnhart, uh, told Brett McMurphy of Stadium, I'm worried about playing a season and hope we are not selling our soul just to play a season. Well, speaking of selling tickets, uh, Kroger Field and Rupp Arena, according to Kentucky Sports Radio, would be at 50% capacity as the primary plan right now, according to Mitch Barnhart, a source, uh, to to KSR saying that Mitch Barnhart has told donors this. So that would mean about 30,000 people at Kroger Field, about 10,000 at Rupp Arena. All football season ticket holders would be covered. And this, um, right before the Ravens announced, I believe yesterday, on Wednesday, Baltimore Ravens announced it would not, uh, uh, like season tickets this year are being postponed to 2021. And then season ticket holders will be given priority to get tickets for this season, should it happen. But they're going to hold, uh, or they're going to allow 20% of its capacity, of its stadium's capacity to be reached. Fewer than 14,000 in a 71,000-seat stadium. Who is so that? Fewer the than 14, the, the, yeah, it's the Baltimore Ravens. Okay. Fewer than 14,000 in a 71,000-seat stadium, whereas Mitch Barnhart reportedly telling donors he would allow 30,000 in a 60,000-seat stadium. Yeah. So if the Ravens are doing this, <laughs> it's going to be hard for – um, yeah, I, I, I don't, I don't, I don't know. We'll see. I mean, yeah. I, I assume Barnhart, I would like to assume, I would like to think that Barnhart before he's told anybody, this has spoken to the governor um, because, yeah. you know, I, I would think he probably has some, I don't, it hasn't been revealed the number yet that they're going to allow at the Derby. Correct. Just that they're going no. to allow fans. Um, right. You know, I, I would think that's going to be sort of the benchmark. It's going to set the standard for what will be allowed. And I can't imagine it'll uh, even be 50%. Um, maybe I'm wrong. Uh, you can certainly sp- spread out in at Churchill Downs. Um, you know, maybe, I don't know, does Churchill Downs like build some temporary stands that, that extend it more around the oval? Um, and let you get wider with that, that fan base. I don't know. Um, you obviously can't do that. It's a fixed, a totally fixed now because it's bowled in, um, at Croker field. It's a totally fixed seating chart. Right. Um, and so if you, you know, there's not going to be a lot of social distancing. If you put 30, if you put 50%, um, in that building, because you mm-hmm. can't just say it's when people are seated, your concession stand lines and getting through the gate lines, um, people are oh, going to be bathroom. Jam- ba- 30,000 people still have to use the bathroom right. at some point. Uh, you're going to be jammed in there. Um, you know, like I think, I think outdoor seating is a relatively safe thing when you are at distance, but it, you've got to do the math on how can, how do you, how do you ensure that that many people, 30,000 people is a lot of people. Um, yeah, yeah. Obviously, it's only half their, you know, you go, well, it's only half, but 30,000 people. When we're talking about what, what have we, what kind of crowds have we seen to this point <laughs> anywhere in mm-hmm. America? I mean, 30,000 would probably approach the maximum of any kind of gathering anybody's even come close to being in right now. Um, 
so to me, that feels like a pipe dream. That feels like optimism. Uh, that yeah. feels a little bit like pumping sunshine to your boosters um, mm-hmm. because you've probably got, I don't know how many people, you've got over 30,000 people that are season ticket holders, uh, right? I mean, didn't they sell, don't they sell like 38,000 or something season tickets? Um, well, the report I saw, I don't know what the numbers are, but the report I saw anyway from, from KSR said that uh, that would cover season ticket holders. Okay. Well, but I haven't seen the numbers. That's about, I mean, that would be in that range. And so I, mm-hmm. to me, that feels like don't stop giving your K fund donation and don't, you know, don't, mm-hmm. I, I, right. I just don't know that I believe that is a, is a realistic goal um, for crowd size in the fall anywhere, you know, 50% anywhere is, is probably when, when you, when you look at these professional franchises, uh, like you just mentioned, the Baltimore Ravens and so many others that have basically said, like, we're we're not going to be able to have any, or it's going to be almost none, you know, you know, twenty percent or less. Um, for somebody in college to come out and say fifty percent or more, just that that doesn't add up to me. No, I I don't see it either. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, we'll have another podcast tomorrow to wrap up the week. Um, but uh, in the meantime, you know, go check out. Locked on SEC. I'm sure they're going to be talking about this. And maybe when we talk to you tomorrow, uh, the SEC will have followed suit. The ACC has already told Breck McMurphy of Stadium that uh, they're expected uh, to just say conference-only games as well. So we'll see how this all goes. In the meantime, follow us on Twitter. I'm at D-R-I-E-F-F-E-R. Kyle is at? Kyle Tucker underscore A-T-H. Now tell your smart device to play the latest episode of Locked on NFL. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Are Locked On Kentucky, available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or tell Alexa or Google to play podcast Locked On. Don't worry, I won't finish. You get the idea.